0: You're listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. Good morning. It's great to be with you guys today. Like Steve said, my name's Elliot. I'm the Connection Pastor here, and today we are kicking off a um, set of messages where we are going to be talking about how to make great decisions. And this topic that we're going to be exploring for the next few weeks, this is a significant topic. And it's a significant topic because the decisions that we make shape the future that we're going to experience. And we don't get a trial version of life. There's no test run that we get. This is it. This is our chance. And if the decisions that we make are going to shape the future, then that means that our decisions are really important. And the decisions that we make aren't just going to shape the future that we experience. They're also going to shape the future that other people experience. I'm a father, and I'm also a husband. And so... The decisions that I make, the results of those decisions, the consequences, whether good or bad, those are going to be acutely experienced by my wife, Allie, and also by our kids. So it's not just that my decisions impact me, it's that my decisions impact other people. But it actually goes beyond that when you start to think about the impacts of decisions. I can make decisions that will impact you. And you can also make decisions that will impact me. It might be in small ways, but it could also be in larger ways. So our decisions are really, really important. They're shaping the future that we're going to experience, and they're also shaping the future that other people are going to experience. And when it comes to our decisions and why we do what we do, if you sit down and you take some time to think about why is it that we do what we do? What are the What are the factors behind the choices that we make? Well, it's pretty complex. There's a lot of different reasons behind why we do what we choose to do. But there are a few common factors that we all have in common. One of the the most common factors behind our decision-making is how we feel about a decision. When it comes to the decisions, the opportunities in front of us, a very common factor in determining what we're going to do is just basically, well, how do I feel about it? Do I feel good about it? Do I feel bad about it? Am I concerned about it? Do I think this is going to turn out really good? How, how do I feel about this decision? That's a big factor in our decision-making. And it's not bad to feel good about the decisions that you're making. I mean, actually, it's, a, it's an advantage. If you've got a list of choices in front of you, and you feel really strongly about one, and that one turns out to be a really good decision, it can be helpful to feel good about it. But just because you feel good about the decision that you're making doesn't, make its, doesn't mean that it's a great decision. A few years ago, um, the Lakers, they retooled their roster in the offseason and they made a few um, roster moves that were controversial at the time, and they um, brought in some really big-name players. They brought in Car- Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, some other players, really big-name players play alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron and the rest of the Lakers. So they made these changes. They got rid of some of the younger guys, brought in these um, well-known players, and at the time, because of these changes they made they became the oldest team in the NBA at that time heading into that season and they didn't just become the oldest team in the NBA at that time they actually became the oldest team in league history so a lot of people a lot of fans a lot of um, people in the media started criticizing the team for these decisions that they made in the off season and so LeBron the leader of the team who a lot of people think had a big hand in bringing these players in He put out a tweet in response to the criticism, and this is what he said. He said, keep talking about my squad. Our personal ages, the way he plays, he stays injured. We're past our time in this league, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do me one favor, please, and I mean please, keep that same narrative energy when it begins. That's all I ask. So apparently, LeBron, even though other people were criticizing the decisions, apparently LeBron felt pretty good about the decisions. He might have even said they were great decisions. He was banking his season on the roster changes that they made. The problem is, even though they felt good about those decisions, that team was not a good team. They, out of an 82-game season, they went 33 and 49, 33 wins, 49 losses. They were 11th in the Western Conference, and they failed to make the playoffs. They were a bad team. Few of those players are still on the team. So just because you feel really good about it, it doesn't mean that you're making a good decision or even... A great decision. Another major factor in the decisions that we make is what other people will think about the decision. We make a lot of decisions based on the opinions of other people. What are they gonna think about me? What are they gonna say about me? What's their opinion about me gonna be based on this decision? This is kind of the classic peer pressure from high school and college. And I don't know about you, But when I think about the decisions that I made in high school and college, I made some really, really stupid decisions in high school and college, just because I wanted to make decisions that other people approved of, or other people thought were cool, or other people would say, yeah, that was a great decision. I made some really, really stupid decisions just based off peer pressure. But we all know that just because you graduate college doesn't mean that that suddenly changes, and now you're no longer influenced by the opinion of other people. That carries with us the rest of our lives. We're always faced with that. If I make this decision, what are they gonna think? And just because other people look at the decision and say, yeah, that's a great decision, we all know well, that actually doesn't mean that it's a great decision. Another thing that we need to factor in beyond just how we feel about it or what other people think, actually the most important factor in our decision-making needs to be God. The priority question above how I feel, what other people think, this is the priority question we need to ask in our decision making. Is this what God wants me to do? That's the priority question. Not how do I feel, not what will they say, what will they think, do they approve of this? The priority question is, is this what God wants me to do? Another way to say this is, is this God's will for my life? Is this his will for me? Is this his will for me in this situation? Is this the thing that he wants me to do? So here's the reality when it comes to our decision-making. When you make a decision that lines up with God's will, you just made a great decision. If you want to know what a great decision is, if it lines up with what God wants you to do, it's a great decision. In the moment, you might not feel great about it. In the future, you will. In the moment, people might not say, that's a great decision. In the future, everybody will look at it and come to realize, actually, that was a great decision because it lined up with what God wanted you to do. If you make a decision in line with God's will... You just made a great decision. Now sometimes God's will and what he wants us to do is obvious. You know, sometimes it's really, really clear. We know for certain this is what God wants us to do. And the reason is, is because in God's word, the Bible, his word to us, he's been clear on a lot of different topics. He's been really clear on this is how I want you to live. This is what I want you to do. Moral issues, issues of right and wrong, stuff that's black and white. He's been very clear. He's already spoken and he said, this is what I want you to do. And in those situations, when we're facing those decisions, it really comes down to, am I going to obey God or am I going to disobey God? Because he's already been clear. He's told me what he wants me to do. So now I'm trying to figure out, well, am I going to obey him or am I going to disobey him? So in our family, we're trying to help our kids learn this, and we want them to be really clear on the different things God wants them to do. So one of the verses that we've memorized with our kids is Ephesians 4.25. And Ephesians 4.25 says, So stop telling lies, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And we're teaching this to our kids because we want our kids to know the importance of being honest. Because we know that they're going to come to crossroads in their life, points of decision where they've got to decide, am I going to tell the truth or am I going to tell a lie? And in those situations, instead of wrestling with, well, what does God want me to do here? Does he want me to tell the truth or does he want me to lie? We want them to know, well, he wants me to tell the truth. So then it's actually not about, well, do I lie or do I tell the truth? It then becomes about, well, do I obey God or do I disobey God? So we want them to be really clear. So we're, we're memorizing this first. But it's the same thing for us as adults. We all face situations where we've got to decide, am I going to be honest? Or am I going to leave out information that would be helpful? Am I going to, am I going to deceive? Am I going to be deceptive in some way? We all face situations where we experience this. And if God is the primary factor, and we know that he's already said, don't lie, well, then what we're going to do in those situations is we're going to tell the truth because the primary factor is God. But if the primary factor is something else, if it's, say, you know, how we feel about it, or if it's, say, what other people will think about us, oh, man, what would they think about me if they knew the truth of what really happened? If that's the primary factor, well, then we might get loose with the truth. We might tell a lie. So sometimes it's been really clear, God's already been really clear on what he wants us to do, and in those situations, we're simply facing a decision, am I gonna obey or am I gonna disobey? But there are other times in life, there are other decisions that we make where it's less obvious. It's not as clear what God wants us to do. There are crossroads that we come to in life, points of decision where we could go multiple directions and it's not immediately clear what God's will is. There's no verse that you can point to that says, take this job, or yes, now's a good time to renovate your house, or yes, go back and get that degree, or here's the school to go to, or here's the extracurricular activities to sign your kids up for, or here's the sports that your kids should play this spring. There's no verse that you can point to that says those things, but we all reach these crossroads in life where we got to figure out, well, what am I going to do? And oftentimes what will happen is when we reach those crossroads, we know, well, God's supposed to be the primary factor, yes. And God's already spoken clearly on the right and wrong, the moral issues, the black and white, yes. But in these situations where God hasn't spoken clearly, well, maybe then we're just on our own. Maybe at those situations, maybe, you know, we come to that crossroad and do I sign up for this or do I sign up for that? Do, I, do we move here or do we move there? You know, maybe on those situations, maybe we're just on our own. What's interesting is the Bible speaks to this, and it says this in Psalm thirty-eight. This is one example. Psalm or Psalm thirty-two, verse eight says this: "says the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you." Notice it's not just any pathway. He's not just saying I'll guide you along a pathway. He says I'll guide you along the best pathway. And is the pathway the same for everybody's life? No. It says for your life. That means God has a path and a plan for your life that's different than the path and the plan that he has for my life. And the path he wants to lead me down is actually the best path for me based on who he created me to be. And the path that he wants to lead you down is the best path for you based on who he created you to be. He's gonna guide you. So at those points of crossroads, we're actually not on our own. We're in a position where we get to hear God speak and God guide. Yeah, when it comes to the paths that we walk, we do. We have a ton in common when it comes to the paths. There's a lot in common, because we're all gonna experience situations where we've got to decide, based on what God's already said, moral issues, issues of right and wrong, am I gonna obey or, error or disobey? Those apply to all of us. None of us get a pass on those. We all have that in common. But there are also a ton of decisions that we face in life that are unique and individual to us. And God might take me one direction on that path, and his plan for you is to take you another direction on the path. And so what we've got to figure out is, okay, so how do we hear God speak? How does God guide us down those unique individual paths that he has for us? And so we ask the question, what does God want me to do? What is his will for me? Where is he guiding me in this decision? He hasn't just left me on my own, but he says that he's going to guide me. I was talking to a friend not long ago, and um, he was telling me about a decision that him and his wife were trying to make, and the decision that was in front of him, it lined up with um, some goals that he had had, some kind of dreams he had had for his life, as he thought about the future and thought about what he wanted to do, and they lined up with kind of what his, his wife wanted as well, and they were big decisions in front of him. I mean, if they made these decisions and headed in kind of this new direction in life, it would, be, it would impact his career, the career path that he was on, it would impact his finances, they would, they would have to move to a new location so they could start doing something different than what they were currently doing. So there were a bunch of implications that they were trying to work through as they were making this decision. And as he was explaining to me what was going on and the decisions they were trying to make, I knew that he had not made the decision yet, and he was still kind of in the processing stage. And so I took a risk, and I know it's always a risk to start asking people questions when they're talking about decisions that they're making, because we're not always open to input on our decisions. But I decided to take a risk. And um, I just asked him, I said, hey, like you've, you've kind of talked about the factors. You've talked about what you want. You've talked about what you think would be good for your kids. And actually, it looked like it was a really good option. It looked like if they headed in that direction and they did that thing, it looked like it would benefit them. It would benefit their family. It looked like a really, really good option. But one of the things he hadn't brought into it yet, and the thing that I asked him about is, well, what do you think God wants you to do? Do you think that this is actually the path and the plan that he has for you, or is there a different path that he has for you? And I really appreciated his response, because instead of getting defensive, I mean, that was kind of what I was risking. I was risking him getting defensive. Instead of getting defensive, he just said, I actually don't know how to do that. How do you do that? And so what we're going to do this week and then over the next two weeks is we're going to unpack how do you do that. When you reach that point of decision, and there's multiple ways you could go, and there's no clear verse that you could point to that says, Well, I know God has already said this. It's black and white. How do you follow God's guiding? And what we're going to look at is we're going to look at a tool called the decision making train. The decision making train. This is a tool that was taught to me several years ago. I've used it multiple times in decisions that I've made, and it is a very, very helpful tool. The decision making train. The, the first car on the train, the engine, is prayer. That's what starts everything. Prayer starts everything, it's the engine. The next car, the coal car, is the Word, the Bible. It's what fuels our prayer, God's Word. Then, after that, you have the passenger car, which is counsel. We go to wise people, we get counsel, people who are objective, can speak truth into the situation. Then, is the freight car, which is circumstances. And then, finally, the last car on the train is the caboose, which is emotions. So, it's prayer, the Word counsel, circumstances, and emotions. All the cars in the train play an important role. All the cars are significant. And when you get the train in the right order, it will really set you up to make some great decisions. So we're going to unpack this for the next few weeks. But before we dive into some more of the specifics on the train and how to do this, what I want to do with our time this morning is talk about the environment for making great decisions. Because there's actually an environment that we can create with decisions that we make, kind of our practices, our habits, routines in our life. There's an environment that will make a tool like the train a lot more helpful. There's things that we can do that will add clarity to the decision-making process. And there are also things that we can do that will make a difficult decision more difficult. So we're going to talk about what are the things we can do to kind of create an environment. How can we blow away some of that fog that's usually involved in decision-making? so we can start to make great decisions. And I've got four questions that we're going to ask today. These are kind of diagnostic questions. And as we ask these questions and answer them, and then start making appropriate changes, we'll be creating an environment where great decisions are made. So let's start. Question number one, here's the question. Am I being faithful with today's responsibilities? Am I being faithful with today's responsibilities? Each one of us has daily responsibilities. Things that we are responsible to do, tasks, obligations, things that fall on us. And in order to identify our responsibilities, we got to figure out, okay, what's my, what are my, what are my roles? What are the, what are the positions that I'm in? What are the things that I'm responsible to fulfill? Our roles and our assignments help determine what our responsibilities are. So for me, I, I'm married. I have a wife, and we've got kids. That brings responsibilities into my life. I have. Obligations and responsibilities in my marriage towards my kids. I have obligations and responsibilities towards my kids. So that brings responsibilities that I've got to be faithful for. The home that we live in also puts responsibilities on my life. Responsibilities to pay bills and to keep it maintained and to take care of the lawn. I mean, the list goes on. I've got responsibilities that I've got to take care of when it comes to our home. I'm an employee here of the church, I'm an employee. There are responsibilities that being an employee places on my life. I'm in the role of pastor. That also puts responsibilities on my, last, on my life, tasks and obligations that I have to fulfill and things that I've got to be faithful in. And what happens is, is when it comes to our responsibilities, what I've noticed, if I, go, if I kind of go passive or I stop being faithful in my daily responsibilities, the stuff that I neglected yesterday doesn't just magically go away. It actually adds up. It builds up over time. It kind of has this compounding impact on life. And it makes the future more complicated because I didn't fulfill the responsibilities that I was supposed to do today. It's just like a garden. If you, if you plant a garden and you want to get some vegetables, and I know like we've got the plants outside on the courtyard and people are getting them today, and if you want to take those home and you know, have success with that, one of the best things you can do is just have a regular maintenance plan. Go out there, water, pull the weeds, keep it clean, keep it organized. Over time, it'll grow. You'll have a clean, beautiful garden. But if you neglect that and you let that go, and the weeds start to grow, and then they seed, and they drop their seeds, and then you get more weeds, over time, you just have this big mess that you've got to deal with. And then at those points where you really need clarity and making a big decision in order to figure out what's going on, instead of having the freedom to really focus, Well, now you've got all this extra work you've got to do because you haven't been faithful in your daily responsibilities. So that's one reason you want to be faithful is because over time it adds up and it adds complexity. But another reason is because of something God's going to do. What God's going to do is God's going to use today's responsibilities to prepare you to make decisions in the future. He's going to use the things that he's given you responsibility for today to prepare you for opportunities that are gonna come your way in the future. There's a story that Jesus tells about this in the book of Matthew, chapter 25. It's one of the biographies about Jesus's life. And he tells a story about a businessman who goes on a trip and before he leaves, he gives responsibilities to three individuals, five bags of gold to one, two bags of gold to another, one bag of gold to a third. Different responsibilities, different individuals. So he gives these responsibilities, he leaves, and then when this businessman returns, he goes to each of these individuals and he checks in on him. He asks him, what did you do with the responsibilities that I gave you? And this is what it says in Matthew 25, starting in verse 22. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. What happened was, is because he was faithful and responsible, he got an opportunity to have more in the future. And with bigger responsibilities in the future, what that brought is he had the opportunity to make more consequential decisions that would bring blessing and benefit into his life and blessing and benefit into other people's lives. But where did he get the training for those decisions that he was gonna make in the future? He got them by being faithful in the responsibilities that he had right in front of him. So that's what God is gonna do in our lives. The responsibilities he has given you today what he's doing is he's actually preparing you for decisions that he wants you to make in the future. So as you're faithful today, you're preparing for something God has for you. So the question is, am I being faithful with today's responsibilities? That's question number one. Question number two, am I living a lifestyle that supports clear thinking? Are my habits helping me focus? Am I alert? Do I have a clear mind? Or am I scatterbrained? Am I easily distracted? See, our brains, our brains are gifts from God. God gave us minds the ability to process and reason and think deeply about things because he wants us to make great decisions. They're gifts. You could view them like tools, tools that we need to work to stay sharp and to stay ready to be used. And in this world that we live in, a world that's been corrupted by sin, our brains are susceptible to rust we can participate in activities that will actually have a negative impact on our brain's ability to think clearly. There's actually been a lot of research done in this area, and one of the things that they've studied is the impact of different activities on the brain's processing ability. And they've compared what they call the reading brain versus the watching brain. What are are the impacts of us watching television versus us watching a book? And they've compared this in... Um, different studies, and what they found is, when we read, our brain is actively engaged in observing content, and this process helps to increase its function. In contrast, when we watch through a screen, our brains are passively absorbing content, and the brain's processing speed slows down. Now, I actually don't need research to tell me that. I know that that's true. Because if I go home and I you know, spend an hour watching YouTube or an hour scrolling on my phone, I'm just not as sharp and as clear headed as I would be if I participated in some other activity because I've entered into passive consumer mode. And when I enter into passive consumer mode, what happens is I repeatedly find myself in situations where I think, oh, I wish I wouldn't have chosen to respond that way. Or I think, I wish I would have spent more time thinking about that. I know that this is true because I experienced this. Actually, my kids know this is true. This week they asked me, they said, hey, dad, what are you talking about on Sunday? And I said, Talking about how TV rots your brain. And we all kind of laughed at the dinner table. And then I asked him, I was like, hey, have you guys noticed a difference in your attitude after you watch TV versus when you've done school or when you've gone outside and played? Have you guys noticed a difference? And my six year old, he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, I know. We have a worse attitude when we watch TV. And he, he could think of examples of how his attitude was worse. And I was like, hey, after you watch TV, are you like, you know what? I, I want to go solve some math problems. I want to go. You know, I'm going to go do some homework. No, you're, you're, you're complaining. You don't want to work, you don't want to use your... G- kids know this intuitively. As adults, it's the same for us. There are activities that we engage in that help our brains focus, that help our brains be alert. And there's also activities that we engage in that slow our mental processing down. So am I living a lifestyle that promotes clear thinking? Another part of this question is realizing that it's not just the activities, like watching versus reading. There's also stuff that we consume that impacts our ability to think clearly. This is really interesting, stuff that we put in our body. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 17, it says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. It says, do not be foolish. It says that because this is really easy for us to do. It's really easy for us to be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Again, the definition of a great decision is when you make a decision that lines up with what God wants you to do, you just made a great decision. So if you understand God's will, then you're putting yourself in a position to make great decisions, and that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to make great decisions. So it's saying, don't be foolish. Make a bunch of stupid decisions. Understand God's will so you can make great decisions. Very next verse, really insightful. Verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That's really fascinating. It Goes from the importance of making great decisions to don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. It's interesting when somebody is drunk or high for that matter, what we say is we say that they're under the influence. They've given influence away to something else. They've given it to a chemical. So their ability to think clearly and focus and make wise decisions, instead of being able to do that, they've given that function away. And now something else is influencing them instead of them or instead of God. The word here, debauchery, has the idea of wasting your life, saying don't do this because it ends up just being a waste. I mean, God wants you to live a life where you understand his will, you can think clearly, and you can make great decisions. But then when you engage in certain activities, you put certain stuff in your body, you're giving away influence. And what the Bible says is ultimately what you're doing is you're wasting your life. Instead of making great decisions in line with God's will, you're giving away influence to something else. So the second question is, am I living a lifestyle that supports clear thinking, both the activities that I engage in and also what I put in my body? Third question, am I in rebellion? Am I in rebellion? This is a really interesting one because what does rebellion have to do with making great decisions? Because even, you know, even after we make a decision to follow Jesus, we ask him to forgive us. We've been forgiven of our sin. The Holy Spirit moves in on the inside. We all still wrestle with sin. There's, there's still sin that's present in our lives. I mean, for me personally, I'll be honest, more times than I care to admit, I've had to, I've become aware of a sin. I've had to go to God and say, hey God, I did this, this was sin, will you forgive me? I've had to go to somebody else. If my sin impacts somebody else, I've had to go to them and say, hey, I did this, it was sin. Would you forgive me for that thing that I did and the way that it impacted you? So we're all still wrestling with sin we know this. Even after we decide to follow Jesus, it doesn't just magically go away. But there's a difference between wrestling with sin and choosing not to address sin. There's a difference between saying, God, I know this is wrong. I repent of this. Would you help me change? And saying, God, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to keep doing it anyway. Whenever we say, I'm going to keep doing it anyway, even though I know this is wrong, we are in rebellion. A few years ago, I was reading through the book of um, Proverbs, and as I went through that book in the Bible, one of the things that stood out to me was the reference to common sense. And I thought it was kind of funny at the time, like what the Bible had to say about common sense. So I, I kind of laughed about it, but then more and more as I kept reading that book and kept seeing this term show up, I started to, started to dig into it. Here's a few of the verses that stood out to me. Proverbs 2.7 says this, says, he grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. That's really interesting. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. So it's saying that common sense is a gift from God, something that God gives, and he gives it to people that live a certain way. It's really fascinating. So God gives it, and he gives it to people that live a certain way. Proverbs 3, verse 21. My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them. So this is saying that you can lose common sense So it's a gift from God. God gives it to people that live a certain way, but you can lose common sense. Well, that's really fascinating. Proverbs 8.14, another verse. This is wisdom speaking here. Common sense and success belong to me. Wisdom is the one that owns common sense and success. God is ultimately the one who gives it. Insight and strength are mine. So I was curious. Okay, so common sense, you know, I thought it was just like, you know, I thought we just kind of all had it. I didn't realize that it's something that God gives and he gives it to people that live a certain way and it's actually something that can be lost. So I decided, well, I'm going to look up what's the Hebrew word here because Proverbs is written in Hebrews. What's the Hebrew word used here and what does it mean? And the definition of the word is wisdom that leads to practical success. That's the idea behind common sense. It's wisdom that leads to practical success. And if you think about a decision that you're trying to make, you really want this. Because what this is saying is, you know, you've got some destination in the future that you want to head towards, some definition of success in the future, and what wisdom is, is it's the ability to navigate the path ahead to get where you want to go. I mean, that, that's really important. That's significant. Other translations would use the word sound judgment or sound wisdom. And this is different, this idea of common sense or sound judgment or sound wisdom, this is different than just clear thinking. Clear thinking is the ability to focus your mind and not get distracted. But common sense or sound judgment is the ability to connect the dots in the decision that you're facing. It's the ability to figure out what are the different factors that are going on? What are the different things that are at play? And based on that, how do I navigate this decision and make a great decision? So it's not just focusing our minds, but it's seeing the decision clearly and understanding what it is that God wants us to do. And according to the Bible, common sense is a gift from God. Now, what I know about God is I know that if I'm in rebellion, if I have sin in my life that I'm I'm not willing to change, that I'm not willing to repent from, what God's going to do in response to my rebellion is he's going to pull back his blessing on my life. And if one of the ways that God blesses me is by giving me common sense or sound judgment, then what's going to happen, if I allow rebellion to go in my life, then over time, I'm going to start to lose that. Just like Proverbs says, it says that that's something that I can lose. And it's not saying that suddenly my IQ is going to drop. It's not saying that, you know, I've got an IQ score one day, and then the next day it's going to drop, and it's going to be lower. And it's not saying that my mind's not going to be, I'm not going to have a clear mind. But it's saying that when it comes to the really big consequential decisions of life, I'm not gonna be able to discern what God's will is. I'm not gonna be able to connect the dots because I've allowed rebellion to go. And so this gift from God that is sound judgment, seeing the situation clearly, I've lost that because I'm unwilling to address sin in my life. So when it comes to decisions that I face, a habit that I've tried to build into my life as part of my decision-making process is to ask God the question, God, is there any rebellion in my life that I need to be aware of? Is there any unrepented of sin? Is there any sin that I haven't confessed that I need to confess and I need to clear up? I'll ask him that question. And sometimes when I ask him that question, I'll ask the question and then I'll just kind of take a minute and just try to, you know, try to just sit there and let him speak to me. Sometimes something really quickly comes to mind. Other times, nothing comes to mind. But if something, if a specific sin comes to mind, then I've got to confess that to God. And then if it involves other people, I've got to go to those people and I've got to ask for forgiveness as well. There's a, there's a verse on this. First John nine says this, says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful and just. That's who he is. He doesn't want us to just wander aimlessly. He's got this path for us, this best pathway for our lives that he wants us to walk down. He wants us to guide us down that path. He doesn't want us to get stuck in rebellion. So when we go to him and we confess it, he's not sitting there saying, okay, you know, 10 years after you earn this back, I'll give you wisdom. He's like, okay, great, let's go. Let's get back on the path that I've got for you. So just earlier this week, this happened. I was, I was you know, kind of struggling with some decisions. And so I asked God, I said, hey God, is there a way that I've sinned in this situation? And what, what came to mind was actually an interaction between me and my wife. And it was a, in, in this decision that we were trying to make, this interaction we had, there was a way that I related to her that was wrong. It was sin in the way that I related to her. So I confessed that to God in the moment. I said, hey, God, the way that I treated Allie earlier, that was sin. I confess that to you, Ask for your forgiveness. And then I wasn't with her. I was at work. She was at home. So I picked up the phone and I called her. And I said, hey, this, this morning we were interacting I made this decision, I did this thing, that was sin. She knew exactly what I was talking about. And then I said, that was sin, will you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. Great, let's move on. Rebellion will block you from making wise decisions. So as part of the decision-making process, ask, am I in rebellion? If God brings something to mind, there's a sin that you're aware of, address the sin, get back on track. The fourth question, to help you create an environment of making great decisions am I spending regular time with God? Am I spending regular time with God? Spending regular time with God, reading the Bible, prayer, is one of the main ways God's going to speak to you in the decision making process. What I found in my life is as I've developed this pattern, this habit of reading my Bible and praying, what God will do is it's usually not all at once, but often over time, he'll use different verses to challenge my thinking, or he'll challenge the way that I view a situation, or he'll He'll challenge what's important to me in a, in a given moment. So kind of over time, he'll start to reveal themes to me, and he'll start to kind of shine light on different truths from the Bible. And what I've found is, is as he does that, as he kind of speaks to me slowly over time, a lot of times, then when I come to the big point of making a decision, some of the most important factors in what I decide to do, in line with God's will, have to do with the things that he already revealed to me. So as I just make this a habit of regularly reading my Bible and praying, God kind of slowly speaks over time. He's revealing things. He's challenging my thinking. And then at these big points of decision, the, the main factors in figuring out what his, his will is are the things that he's already shown me. Again, Psalm two eight says I, he wants to guide us. He wants to advise us. And we learn to hear his voice in the process by regularly spending time. So ask the question, am I regularly spending time with God? And if you're not, it's simple. It's one of those things you just dive in and you start doing it. Over time, God will speak, and as he does, he's preparing you for those big decisions that he's bringing you in the future. This is helping create an environment where you can make great decisions. So in the coming weeks, so we're, we're kicking off this series today. In the coming weeks, we're gonna dive more into the train, the decision-making train, But these four questions, these are the starting point. This is the environment that you can create in your life that will help set you up to make great decisions. Am I being faithful with today's responsibilities? Am I living a lifestyle that supports clear thinking? Am I in rebellion? And am I spending regular time with God? As you answer these questions and make the appropriate changes, you're setting yourself up to make great decisions. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the truth of Psalm 32.8 that you, you promise to guide us, that you have a path and a plan for us that is the best pathway for our life. When we reach crossroads of decisions, we're not on our own, but you have a will for us in that situation. And I thank you that you've also revealed to us how to figure out what you want us to do. So God, I pray that as we go through this series, I pray that you would help us grow in wisdom that you would use the information, we would take it and put it into practice, and we would grow in our understanding of your specific will for our individual lives. And over time, we would experience that that, in fact, is the best pathway that we could walk. So I thank you for your leading and your guiding. I pray that you would grow us in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Seabreeze Church podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, seabreezechurch.com. Thanks again for listening in, and we hope you'll join us next week for the Seabreeze Church Podcast.